Hey. Hello. Hello. Do you hear us? Yeah. Yeah. Apparently yeah. speaking. Yeah. Yay. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So just so you guys know, before we record, we always pray. Which and is an important thing here, to do. You should pray. You know. Yeah. You can all pray with us. And so here we go. Yeah. In the Father, Father, the Son, and the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to be here for bringing so many of your children together to grow in holiness. We ask you to bless all of us, to bless this podcast. Let everything we do, everything we say, be all for your greater glory. And we ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. 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 Father, Son, Son, Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Music time. Music time. Do it, Nick. I'm Father Anthony. And welcome to Clerically Speaking Live. Wow. This is weird and awesome. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, so I was in the airport, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, one thing I've noticed over the course of years is a lot more emotional support dogs in the airport, right? I just felt so sad for these people because they don't know you can just buy alcohol at the airport. It's like, it's much easier. You don't have to take your alcohol for a and walk. cheaper. Right? Right? Yeah. You don't have to, like, pet your alcohol unless you're really weird. You don't have to poop scoop the, du- the, no, the alcohol. No, 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 no. I mean, you have to care of yourself after you drink the anyway. <laughs> That's all I had for That's my all intro. You have. Wow. <laughs> That's all? That's it? That's it? <laughs> no, it's cool. So, uh, when, I was, when I was flying, I wasn't yeah. wearing my clerics because... You're a bad priest. Because I'm a bad priest. Because I'm not the best version of myself when I'm on uh, airplanes and stuff. I get real anxious and stuff. So I want someone to come up to me and talk to me and be like, ah, I'm freaking out all the time. But anyway, I was on the plane. And after I had taken a little nap and I was praying my rosary, and there's a family next to me. And there were these two young people and their little, like, 16-month-old kid. Super cute. And I was like, ah, I got to talk to these people. I got to do it. got to do it. Okay, fine. I'll do it. Fine. I'll do it. I started talking to them, and they're like, oh, what do you do? I'm like, I'm a Catholic priest. And they're like, oh, we go to the FSSP parish in Phoenix, Arizona. So they're like, Catholic, Catholic. Right? I was like, oh, cool. And we talked for like, like two hours. They were super cool and normal. We were talking about priesthood stuff and everything. It was wonderful. Nice. So it's it, like, yeah. So God, it was, it was neat to witness to that in kind of a neat category. So I'm a, I'm a, I, uh, I got off the plane, uh-huh. and a good friend picked me up. And what's the first thing you think I did? First thing you did, you probably went to uh, Whataburger. You went to McDonald's. You went to Wendy's. You want to die? I don't. <laughs> I went to In-N-Out. Yeah. I'm a huge In-N-Out fan. I, I stand In-N-Out, man. It is the best. And so we went, I went on Monday with, uh, with Matt. And then Tuesday, uh, a few of us went out. How was it, Father Anthony? It was okay. It was, it was okay. Not as good as Wendy's. Check out Ooh. the Spicy Nugs podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so there were like three people who are aware of my, the, the, my, the project I love the most. Not this podcast. This is fun. It's good. But my favorite thing I do podcasting-wise yeah. is not Taylor Schroll's podcast, which is very good. Not this one. It is the Spicy Nugs podcast. So is this wow, Spicy Nugs <laughs> at Seek 2021? Yeah, come on. Make it happen. <laughs> It's been awesome. It's been great to meet all these fans. It's, it's weird. It's like, it's weird. Like, I, I swear, some, like, there's more young people here than are in my parish by, like, tenfold. 
So uh, it's awesome. It's great. No, it's been awesome. Uh, meeting people, getting lots of photos with people, tweets and all this stuff. And we even, we, we got a lot of business cards. So you got to take some. No, seriously, please take some. Please, Producer Nick had a carry-on bag. Take some. Yeah, carry-on bag. How heavy was your carry-on bag, Father? Well, I'm really father. buff. It was at least... Nick. It was at least 150 pounds. <laughs> no, but seriously, it was like a 70-pound bag. Yeah. So take a, we're going to give all these, and you're just going to have, if you throw them away, we don't care. It's, it's, it's totally We good. also have stickers with us. You have stickers. Right? And wow. people really want these stickers. But we were good. Those yeah. who are Patreon supporters, we finally mailed them out this week, and people are starting to receive them. But you people are more important, so we just ordered a bunch of new ones, and we have a whole bunch with us, so make sure you get some before you go. And it's been really great. I mean, meeting people, getting them. And it's like, it's been, it's like, people really want these stickers. Right. They're like pulling them out of your hand. Yeah. Like, pull, it's just like grabbing your gra arm. They're grabbing your arm yeah. and pulling you. They're and we're going to talk about grabbing arms in fighting the Summa Tweetologica. Sing it with us! <laughs> we can't hear you. We can't hear you. Stand up. <laughs> listening to Claire yeah, speaking. Yeah, we're done. We've peaked. We've peaked. We're out. We're wow. done. That was amazing. Hopefully the mics picked it up for the podcast. Mm -hmm. That'll That's be awesome. Good. 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 That was awesome. So our first tweet is we all know what's happened on New Year's Eve from Vatican News. At Vatican News, Pope Francis apologizes for the bad example he gave last night when a woman grabbed his arm and urges everyone to live 2020 New Year in gratitude for the blessings of God's love in Jesus Christ. Okay, let me go off on this a little bit. So if you Go haven't off, heard, King. if you're not very online like we are, it's basically a pope's doing his pope thing, right? He's shaking hands, kissing babies and butt, and he's done. He's turned away, and a lady grabs his arm, and you can see him wince. He grabs it really tight. Pope Francis freaks out a little bit and, like, smacks, smacks her arm, and he has a grumpy face on, right? Because that's what happens when someone pulls the arm out of your socket. You have a grumpy face. And this, and this people, like, freaked out about this online because that's what you do. few things about this. The Pope doesn't matter as much as a lot of people think they, he does. <gasps> oh, the, Whoa. It's true. It's true. Okay, Whoa. Like, listen, heretic, listen, heretic, listen, listen. heretic. What's <laughs> sweaty in here? What? <laughs> he really doesn't. Like, if you care, if you have, like, really strong feelings about the Pope, you need to stop being online. Because it really doesn't affect my ministry in the parish. Most of the stuff that happens in the church happens at the parish level. It doesn't happen by tweeting hot takes online, as right. fun and as edifying as that can but be. But he's sometimes. also still really important because he's the principle of unity for the church. Yeah, I get I that. Mean, yes. But just like, okay, so someone I like tweeted. <laughs> That's all. That's right, all. Right, right. <laughs> but someone, but so I saw this tweet. It was like, and they had the grumpy face, Pope Francis, right? And they're like, this is his real face. This is the mask ripped off of Pope Francis. I'm like, this is your face every time you log on to Twitter. So get out of here, right? So here's my take. Yeah, please. The Pope did nothing wrong. Yeah. It was self-defense. I mean, like, so here's the thing. Pope Francis is 83 years old. 83. And he's got sciatica. Okay? What is, that si is, what is sciatica? It's like a, I, I know it's like a back thingy or some sorts, and it hurts. I know people who have it. I know it hurts a ton. That's why he walks with a little bit of a, a limp sometimes, right? 
if you're being pulled randomly and you have no idea where it's coming from, what would your first reaction be? If, if all of our fans came in here right now and just grabbed our arms, what would happen? We would we'd slap you. Kick you. We'd slap you. Get out of here. And I don't think he did anything wrong. It, was, it wasn't like he went violently after. He no. was just like, and I think it was really rude what she did. Absolutely. Because, I mean, I get it. It's maybe your first time seeing the Pope. You want to touch him or whatever. But, like, people chill. Yeah. He's not Jesus Christ either. He's his vicar, yes, but he's not Jesus Christ. And, and it's like, you saw him. You were close. Like, that's awesome. A lot of people don't even get, get that close to the Pope. So, right. like, I don't know. I'm also, yeah, I'm, I agree. I think we, we need to chill online. Be cool, and normal, be and cool, chill. Just be like cool, us, normal, all and chill. All the time. We are we're so chill. So, Father Harrison, do you know what feast day it is today? It's Saints Basil and uh, the other one. But we're going to talk about Basil on this tweet. <laughs> <laughs> so this is from Jake at Jake Online, and it's a quote from St. Basil. You are not disappointed when you must spend gold in order to purchase a horse, but when you have the opportunity to exchange corruptible things for the kingdom of heaven, you shed tears. You spurn the one who asks of you, and you refuse to give anything. That's patreon.com slash speaking. <laughs> This is so true. It's so funny. Like, so I, I, I have Amazon Prime very easily. Like, okay, I got some Christmas money, buy some stuff. But then when it's time to, like, give some charity, you're like, oh, it's so hard and it hurts so much. Even though by doing that, you actually get eternal rewards. Yes, right. I've never bought a horse before. I do have cowboy boots, but I've never bought a horse. You should try it. <laughs> I should. Be content is king. It's true. It'd be great for podcast stories. Father Anthony has bought a horse. His bishop is very worried about him. He's on pastoral leave. <laughs> <laughs> Who here would like to see Father Anthony on a horse? Let me hear it. Meh. Yeah, no, it, this is why I think, while it's not, like, the church does prescribe. Remember, the, there, there's the five pre precepts of the church. The church does prescribe that we have to give to the church. Not for, you know, for greed or anything like that, but, like, the church needs to support it. The lights need to turn it on. We need to buy hosts. We need to make all that sweet, sweet cash as priests. You know, it's like... Right. Yeah. So, but this, so this is no. like a serious no. thing. So, but, like, yeah. in, in my diocese, uh, a lot of stuff's going on. I don't know if you've heard about, like, a report that came out the other summer, like the PA Grand Jury Report. Yeah. So it's not, like, super fun atmosphere. And on top of that, we're doing all this parish combination and stuff. And so a lot of people are frustrated. And rightly so. It's a very frustrating and difficult experience. But sometimes they want to act that out or um, deal with that by not giving to the church. But the thing is, a lot of people don't realize that it hurts you before it hurts anyone else. Yeah. And on top of that, and this is kind of hard to say sometimes, but like it is your spiritual duty to yeah. give to the church. Yeah. And you give what you can. You give what you can, although I think it's good to try to do your best. I'm obviously discernment, talk to a priest sometimes, but if you can tithe, you should be tithing. Yeah. When I was going to university, I didn't even have a job. I had those sweet student loans. Yes, you did. But I still gave every week when I went to Mass. Because mm -hmm. it's important. Because we, if, if we don't give, then we are being selfish in our hearts. And that, that closes our heart from hearing God's voice speak in our lives. It's like, who do you worship? Do you worship your wallet? Yeah, exactly. Or if you can worship? go to the bar and spend like 50 bucks on drinks, but you can't give 10 bucks at Mass, Just then, there's something, then there's something not quite oriented and there's right. A, there's a, also a deeper thing. It's like, how much do we actually trust God to take care of us? Right. And, some, and it's not like a prosperity gospel. You don't give 10 bucks to the church and receive 50 back or anything like that. We also know that like, God taking care of people sometimes looks like the apostles who are like, martyred and murdered. But you have to trust that God has your life in his hands, mm -hmm. and so you can give what you can give. Yeah. All right. Uh, from Father Colin Parrish at Father Parrish. 
Some of my inner detractors will say, gee, why aren't you more adventurous right now? To which I respond, when you are a new pastor, you don't know what you're doing. Every day feels like an implicit adventure, and that's my positive take at least. And he is right. So for those of you who don't know, when you are made a pastor, it's not like they say, okay, we're going to send you on this eight-week training course. You're going to learn the ins and outs of how to run a parish. It's that's your parish. And you say, what do I do? Uh, You'll figure it out. You'll figure it out. And that's actually like 90% of priesthood. That's pretty much 90% of priesthood. <laughs> you'll, 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 just, you'll just figure it out. And there's no manual. And so people are like, wait, why aren't you doing this? Or they expect, you know, the new young priest is going to come in. And he's going to change everything. He's going to bring young people. And it's like, I got to figure out how to read a budget sheet. <laughs> I have no idea how to balance a budget. Like, I got to figure out that stuff. And then you're dealing with all sorts of different voices in the parish, how to handle that, and how to learn how to pastorally like, navigate that. Because, yes, you have to listen. You have to consult. But you also have to make decisions and learning how to make decisions that won't always make people happy that takes time takes confidence and you need to learn how to integrate your prayer life and all this and it's like it's a massive learning curve and there's no one there like maybe you have priests you can lean on but there's really no one there to say here are the 10 steps to how to run a parish yeah there's no bud bud buzzfeed article saying 10 steps to running oh no you can make one you can write that nick yeah also this is like a thing that's a wider thing so you guys you're, you're all here for focus so that means you are more involved in the church than a lot of other young people your age. And there can be a pressure on that. Like, I'm, I am the young person who goes to focus. I am the focus ministry. Therefore, my life should look like X. And what's even more painful is, like, therefore, I should feel X about X, right? I should feel holy. I should do these things. And all that creates um, an inability to actually hear what the Lord's telling you. Because the Lord might be telling you, you're doing just fine, right? The Lord might be telling you, you're going the right way. So don't let your idea of holiness or your expectations of what my life should be dictate what the Lord is trying to tell you in that moment. And not just that. It's also, yeah, there's adventurous things or whatever, but it's also like you have to, you have to when you're a pastor, you have to deal with the concrete reality of your parish and your town. And, and you just have demographic realities you got to deal with, et cetera. And it's like you, you, there's no magic pill that's going to make everything the rock star parish. And you might be a great priest, and no matter what you do, you can offer adoration you know, out of the yin-yang, and still, the parish is going to be mediocre sometimes. So much adoration. So much adoration, <laughs> right? Jesus everywhere. <laughs> so it's, we, we always say, if you do these three things, your parish is going to be renewed. It's like, actually, no. I mean, it might work in one or, it might work in some places, but not all places, right? And we just need to have this patience and this humility. And this is the other thing. Because, like, parishioners like to say, oh, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? It's like, have the humility to trust your pastor. Has he done anything? Even if he's a big dum-dum. But has he done anything that has like gone against the, the teachings of the church that have fundamentally – has he gone out and just spent lots and lots of money on useless things? No. Generally, 99% of pastors are good dudes. They're good dudes. And they're trying to do their best with what they have. And so like, have some humility to say – instead of saying, I want you to do this, Father, say, Father, what can I do to help you? Yeah. Sure. That, yeah. yeah. And this is a tough thing about being in a parish. It, you can't choose your family. So, like, at my parish, we've got four different priests, and we are all very different, right? So you're kind of stuck with the priests that you get. and that's send one of, of them to my diocese? I, no, because we have so many masses. Okay, um, but that's, I mean, there is a struggle, and it's okay to struggle with that. It's okay that not every priest is your favorite. That's okay. But you have to realize you're a part of this family, and what's my role in this family, and how can I make it more uh, loving? Yeah. Awesome. What do you got? Okay, so kind of on that, this is from Matt Baker. Hey, it's Matt Baker. Sometimes when people talk about Catholicism and the crisis and the church, they say, the answer is not X. The answer is always Jesus. And I don't really know what that means. 
It's like going up to people who are overwhelmed by numbers and saying, the answer is always math. So we, we tend to, on this podcast, push against the idea that like, this one program will save your church or this one thing will save your church. And the answer is indeed Jesus. But if you don't actually acknowledge specific problems and don't have like plans for it and don't have you know, a movement or something like that, mm -hmm. it can become this kind of like, let's just do nothing. It becomes a kind of quietism. Yeah. And yes, indeed, we have to be following the Holy Spirit very deeply and trusting in Him. But that doesn't mean, because it's another thing, it's a very tempting to be pious about this. Right. Like people are talking about stuff, they're talking about their plans. They're like, I can step in and say, well, guys, really? The answer is Jesus. It's like, okay, you got your Jesus points for the day. Congratulations, right? But it's also okay to talk about these things in a specific and even sometimes technical way. Yeah. No, and, it, we, always, and we always have to remember, right? Jesus is mediated through his church, right? It's the point I like to make a lot. The church is the mediation of Jesus Christ, and it has human members, and this church is a body, and that requires dealing with all those factors always. Yes, Christ has to be the center of all these things, but it's like asking the question, okay, how do we make Christ that center? That's a legitimate question that requires planning, prayer, discernment, a, a, a consultation, etc. It can be just too easy to say, I mean, listen, there, the, only, the only real solutions are, the only real solution is for Christ to come back at the end of time and to remove all these problems. That is true. Because yeah. we are fallen people, and the church is both holy and sinful at the same time. She's holy in her Redeemer, but she's sinful in her members who are still fallen creatures. And so we're going to make mistakes. We're going to make we're going to make we're going to make the wrong choices, etc. But we we have to recognize that as a reality, and we have to take that seriously, and we have to acknowledge that we we aren't the saviors in the end. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, and I, the Lord yeah. isn't going to let things be neat and tidy for us. Like there's oh. something that would happen in seminary. So you'd be like, you have a seminary community, and there are a few guys you just don't like because I don't know. Um, they don't like your haircut or whatever. They don't like your beard or whatever things happen in seminary. You're like, everything would be perfect if this guy just left. Or maybe you have like a Newman Club. Like, everything would be perfect if we just did this. This podcast would be so much better if we didn't have Father Anthony. Exactly. You can find a much smarter priest with much better hair. Wait, what am I saying? I have the best hair available in priesthood. But, um, but as soon as that happens, as soon as someone leaves or you do this thing, the Lord will invite another problem into your community so that you are forced to rely on him always. Yeah. So we're not looking for a kind of um, pristine perfection. Right. We're just looking for a constant pursuit of holiness. Yeah. And part of that is, yeah, you're always gonna have challenges. Yeah. You're always gonna have difficulties. The Lord is always gonna allow the cross to be in your life and that's actually a good thing. It's a great actually way to go into our next topic. Yeah, 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 we wanna talk about, yeah. The cross is the center of your life. Let's get into some presbyteral exhortations. And now it is time for Presbyteral Exhortations. Oh, yes. yes. Quite good, quite good. Indubitably. <laughs> I bet they can't wait to learn. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite part. It's the best part. <laughs> yes. yes, quite. Yes, quite. So, all of our bumpers, if you've never heard this before, heard our bumpers, this is all producer Nick, my brother, right? Like, we, we brainstorm an idea for like five minutes, he comes up with something, and it takes like 20 minutes to record and edit. So that's, that's Nick and I with our posh British, British accents, and just thank you, Nick, for being here. You're yes. welcome, everyone. <laughs> Yay! 
so Nick, Nick, actually, let's bring you in this. What would you, what is your favorite episode of Clerically Speaking? Oh, <laughs> my favorite episode resulted in me getting engaged. Right. It's episode four. Yeah, yeah. Take that, Catholic match booth. Clerically speaking, is where vocations happen. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it was episode four when you guys talked about vocations. That's right. And it's actually one of our most popular episodes because it's where we talk about the nature and meaning of discernment. So we thought, and this is a great conference, it's a great audience to talk about discernment. Go a little bit deeper with it. So I brought my, my good friend. Hans Urs von Balthasar with me. Uh, <laughs> Such a nerd. Yeah, nerd, I know. <laughs> and we're going to go into a little bit more around discernment. Yeah, because the one thing I've noticed a lot online and uh, working in youth ministry, it, something happens. So a young person has this deep encounter with Jesus Christ and it changes their life. This has most likely happened to you guys or will happen. And then you give a yes to God and it fundamentally changes your life. You're not being dragged to conferences, you're going to conferences, you're going to prayer, you're going to adoration, you're going to the sacraments. But then the Lord may place in your heart another question. And sometimes it's vague, but you know you need to give him a deeper yes. And a lot of times that causes a lot of chaos because we're not quite sure what the call is. We don't know if this is just a continuing call to holiness. Is it a call to the priesthood? And there seems to be so much anxiety that mm -hmm. I don't think needs to be there. And I remember torturing myself with my vocation. Like it was, a, mm -hmm. before I entered seminary, it was like a miserable two years yeah. for me. Yeah. And as priests, it's our job to try to help bring people into the peace of Jesus yeah. Christ. So hopefully some of this will help. So, for, I mean, I, listen, Balthazar is not exactly an easy read. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I stand Balthazar though, obviously. And so uh, he is, this book, this book right here is actually what helped me realize I had a vocation to the priesthood halfway through seminary. I wasn't sure. And it helped me realize, oh wait, yes, God is definitely calling me to the priesthood. So this is, because uh, he gives it clarity. So for those of you who don't know, Christian State of Life is Balthazar's theological reflection on St. Ignatius's spiritual exercises. If you, and if you're actually seriously trying to discern God's call in your life, I highly recommend an eight-day spiritual exercises. There's Jesuits around here. You should ask them about it because it is amazing. I've helped lead exercises before, and I've seen people receive an elective call to religious life through that. Uh, I, and I got to do that for my or no, my priestly retreat as well. Um, so it's a great. It's his kind of like theology of this. And so I thought first before we kind of go, I want to go a little bit deeper with the sermon and the idea of like what does the Christian state like? What does discipleship actually look like? Because I think that's that's part of the problem. We think we all want to be disciples, but like how does that play out in vocation? But I thought it's good to kind of give like a quick overview for those of you who might be new who've not heard the podcast before. A little kind of a little uh, five minute briefer on what does discernment look like? Okay. So here's the deal. Everybody is built for marriage. Nice. Yes. This is yeah, what God. You, <laughs> there, we're done. Uh, <laughs> no, no, but like very, like yeah. your body is built, built for, for marriage. marriage, right? Yeah, this is what God has created. It's part of God's original plan that everybody is created for marriage, and this has been the order in since the fall too. It's one of the things that God kept since the fall was marriage. It took. It's taken a fallen form, obviously, but that is something that God has kept. It's something He sees as essential to human creation. And Christ comes, and he brings something new to this. He still blesses it. He actually lifts it up to the realm of a, a dignity of a sacrament. But he also brings something new. He, he brings what we call the religious call into this, right? And that religious call is to the life of priesthood or religious life. So Balthazar and St. Ignatius would say that everybody is built for marriage. Everyone's created for marriage, and that's the natural call. You don't actually have to discern that. What? You do not have to discern marriage because it's what you're built for. You know it. You know it. 
So if you think you're called to marriage, there's no, like, there's no real, is God calling me to this? I mean, there is that question, but it's already built into your nature. The, call, the question of discernment comes into play is God asking me to sacrifice that good that I am built for in order to enter into the elective call of priesthood or religious life. Wow. Right. right. So that's when like, it can be frustrating sometimes talking to people or a lot of times talking to their parents. Uh, like little Johnny, you feel like he has a call to the priesthood. And priests can sometimes get a sense of that. And same thing with religious. Religious can kind of get a sense of like, oh, who else is called there? And you say, hey, he make a good priest. And something we've talked about before, like, oh, no, little Johnny just likes girls too much. It's like, of course, of course. Yeah. Because that's a natural part of who you are. So that does not, so the, the, to struggle that, like, yeah, you're going to have to sacrifice something. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah, and that's, that's good. What are you looking for, Father Harrison? What are you doing? And you I, got, need a I got a point for later. You've um, got so many pieces of paper in front of you, I'm so scared. <laughs> There's so many notes. No, this is what I'm working off of this. That's okay, like, that okay. That was just my pre-notes. Just for funsies? That was, that was pre-notes. <laughs> um, yeah, no, exactly. This is the thing. We are all built for, because this is the thing. This is the other thing I, I work on. If, you, if you're going into priest or religious life, you think, oh, I don't, I don't want marriage. That's not good. Yeah. That is not good because you're sacrificing this real good that God has called you, that God has built us for to enter into Jesus's um, state of life through poverty, chastity, and obedience. And, and, and this, is, this is the call. So it's about if God puts something on your heart for, to say, I want you to follow me more deeply, it's about discerning is that a call to the religious life or priesthood, or maybe it might be too like, that God's just trying to ask you to live out marriage in a particular way. Mm-hmm. But generally, that that is the sense, and that was what was helpful for me when I was in seminary or when I was in my internship year. I was like, I don't know what I want to get because that when my, my my first spiritual director he said, oh yeah, you got a special call either to marriage or to priesthood, right? Uh, and, and so he goes like, yeah, you just got to figure out what that special call means. But also I said, no, no, that special call only means one thing: priesthood, religious life. And that God has called you out of that because you need that little special extra grace to say, yeah. what is what is normal and good and natural for human beings? God has asked you to sacrifice that. Okay, so yeah. give a quick a quick timeout on language. Yes. Yes. So it's very difficult to talk about this because yes. um, I tend to use the word particular because um, sometimes special indicates that like if Jesus really loves you, He's going to ask you to be a religious sister. Like if Jesus really loves you. He's going to ask you to be a Franciscan. If he's forgotten about you, then just go get married. And that is absolutely not true. The oh, love cool. of God comes first. Yes. Your vocation is not proof of God's deep and abiding love for exactly. you. Exactly. Okay? So you have to understand when we're talking about different kinds of calling, it's not like you are better, yeah, if exactly. that makes sense. Does so, that make sense? Yeah. Right? So, yeah, like, so God loves you, period. Yeah. And if you feel like it's not like, okay, I'm, I'm God's special little boy, so that means he's calling me to priesthood. It's different than that. So I'm special. You are so special, Nick. <laughs> you are the most special person in this van today. Thank you. Wow. So two things with that. First, this is, how, this is how the exercises work. It's about first this encounter with God's elective love for everybody. Yeah. God wants, it's, it's like general election, right? That God, God has caught us out of the world into his church through baptism. And that's God's love given to everyone through the power of the cross in baptism. But like, I remember doing, when I was doing the exercises, one person, they were struggling with this. They were, and I, I asked them the question one day. I said, do you think well, God, God will love you less because you get married? And she goes, that's exactly what I think. I said, mm. all right, now we can, now we can work. And, and now she's married, having a kid, and it's beautiful. It's great. This is the idea. It's about saying, no, no, God's love is universal there, right? And it's about being rooted in Christ's love. So this is that, that's just like a quick, and, and this is, oh, yeah, this is the other thing. There is no vocation to the single life. 
Okay, can we take a whoa, can we take some time with whoa, this? Whoa, yes. Whoa, 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 yeah, whoa, whoa, yeah, yeah. Yes. No, it needs to be talked about. Yes, okay? Yeah, 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 yeah. And you will find people who disagree with us about yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think that some of the problem is the understanding with the word vocation. Yeah. I think it gets used too often. Like I have a vocation to build cars, or I have a vocation yeah. to do a podcast, yeah. or I have whatever. No, 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 no. So we're talking about vocation in a very particular sense, yeah. as in a state of life. life. Yes, okay? exactly. And so the single life is something that we all experience for a certain amount of time, right? You're not getting married if you're a baby. Even though it, babies look really cute and Franciscan habits, they're not going to be Franciscan, right? Something like that. Um, so, do you want to jump into what happens? Because I feel like this is like the biggest thing. It's Amazing. like what happens, and there's a great anxiety around missing your vocation. Right, right. Oh. And I don't want to keep, okay. And so, I'm, oh, go ahead. Do you want to jump oh, Yeah, yeah, I'll okay. So, what do we mean is, because here's the thing. Love demands a vow. Love says, I want to bind myself to you. And that vow is lived out through priesthood, religious life, and marriage. We all, we're, we're concrete creatures. You guys know this. Like, we, we, we talk about this all the time, embodiedness, everything. This is how we, we need something concrete to lean on and to, to, to depend on. And a vow is a way to say, this is how I live. It, it, it's part of our creatureliness. We need something particular to bind ourselves to. And, and so on and so forth. And this is why, like, and when I say single life is not a vocation, I mean like, like there's consecrated single life. That's different. That's, that's, essentially, that's another way for talking about religious vocation. But I'm talking about like just essentially trying to remain a bachelor for your, like intentionally wanting to remain a bachelor for your whole life. That's different, right? But some people, and Balthazar talks about this, is that some people end up single, not by their own choice, right? right? Um, and that's hard. And this is, the heart, this is the thing about discipleship, this is what we want to get into today, is this idea that actually the cross is at the heart of every vocation. And every vocation needs to have the cross at its absolute center. This sense of renunciation and self-sacrifice that I'm willing to say, I want to live totally for Jesus. And I'm going to be totally indifferent to what he asks me to. And I'm going to try and pursue what he wants, but sometimes, not because of him, but because of human freedom, I can't fulfill that. You know, so someone's looking for marriage, and not because of their own choice or whatever, they can't find a spouse. Or, hey, it could be you want to be a priest, and you've been searching and searching for a diocese or a religious order, and not your fault, but for whatever reason, you can't enter that religious community. Then Balthazar makes the argument that you live a kind of quasi-religious life. You make maybe like internal vows, if you will, of poverty, chastity, obedience, to live your life in service to the church. And yeah, it's a cross. I'm not living the fulfillment of what God's asked me, but that's where the great, because here's the deal. Grace only comes through the cross. Is it okay to not vocation then? Uh, do you want like, to say that a different way? Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> Is vocation not to do good? <laughs> so, uh, uh, it, what if, all right, what if I'm like 50 years old and I'm like, oh man, didn't get married, didn't join the priesthood, does God not love me? Like, what the heck? Yeah. I was left out of this. Okay, yeah, let's talk yeah. about that a little bit. So, uh, one of the concrete examples in my life of this is, um, the person who was my youth minister, um, because of whatever reason, she was un uh, just never got married, desired that, desired something, but didn't happen, and she was working as a youth minister. Now, every man and woman is called to be a mother or a father in some way. Becoming a mother and a father is how you become masculine or feminine, and so there's going to be a fruitfulness in that. And this woman, who was my youth minister, is the mother of my vocation. If not for her, I would not be a priest, right? And I do get really emotional because so, so that does not mean that God does not have a mission for you. 
does not mean that God doesn't have an apostolate for you. Mm -hmm. doesn't mean you're not going to do things for the kingdom, but it's going to be lived out in a different way. And we have to ask ourselves a question. As we're hearing this, as you're hearing us talk about this, what are the thoughts and feelings that are going on in your heart right now? Because what you may hear when Father Harrison talks about you might, through maybe no fault of your own, maybe because whatever happened, that you are in the single life. Okay, there is a sadness there, but do you truly believe that God can still bring peace and joy to your mm -hmm. heart? And if the answer is no, then that's a deeper question than even the vocation question, mm -hmm. is that do I trust God completely and utterly with my life? Do I trust God with my life in a sinful and broken world? Yeah. Do I trust he will ever bring me deeper into his son's sacred heart, yes or no? Yeah. So this is, I think this is a good leeway to end where I wanted to go more deeply with this, which, which is this idea that... that we actually, it's about having that first encounter with Christ's love because that's, that's where you need to start with vocation. It's always, so I want to read this quote fr from Balthazar because it's really beautiful. So he says, In the last analysis, the common denominator of the two states consists in their readiness for the renunciation that makes one free for love. It is a readiness as sacrifice because Christian perfection consists in placing oneself at the disposal of God's entire will and renouncing one's own choice of a way of life. This readiness is the indifference that allows God to choose the state that he has decreed. Or to phrase it otherwise, it is the indifference that is fundamentally satisfied with either state. But it is also a readiness for sacrifice. A readiness that must persist even after one has chosen a state of life. Whether the state is the state of sacrifice, renunciation, renunciation or the secular state that acquires its Christian form solely from the sacrifice that the Lord can at any time require of it and inflict upon it anew. Okay, so let's break that open a little bit and tell me if I've heard it right or not. Yeah. So really all of the Christian life is your heart being opened more and more to a deeper and deeper yes to God. Right. Are you at the place where if whatever God asks of you, are, can you give a complete yes without reservation? Right. Because a lot of times when we're discerning, we are willing to give God a qualified yes. And this, uh, this classically happens with, like, someone feels a call, a young man feels a call to the priesthood, and what's the first thing he says? Well, can't I, can I just be a, a, a permanent deacon? Can I do that? And that, that points to, I, Lord, I'm willing to give you a qualified yes. I, as long as you're willing to fit inside my plan, then I will give you a yes. And that's something we have to be wary of. Yeah, exactly. So more and more, are we willing to give an open and peaceful yes to God? See, I think... Discipleship, when we're talking about discipleship, it always has to take the way of the cross. Always. The cross has to be at the absolute center because it is the form that kills sin and death in our life. And that's the path Jesus takes. That's the place. You know, we hear it in Luke's gospel. He set his face towards Jerusalem, right? He's on his way towards Jerusalem. And he's, that's it, where he knows where that Jerusalem's leading to. It's leading towards the cross. And that's the path of Christian life. But we also know the hope of what is to come afterwards which is the resurrection, which is new life, and that God will not abandon us and leave us on the cross forever, right? Yeah, and also that yes doesn't mean I understand what God is calling me to, right? right? Because no one, when they're getting married, really understands what God is calling them to. So you have to give a or yes. Priesthood. Or Super priesthood. Super no. Right? Like, uh, like for us in priesthood, like yeah. I could be assigned to a parish that's actually seven parishes. I could be vocation director. Mm. Like when you're like. Well, marriage, the possibilities open up so much more. Mm -hmm. Like, what happens if you're unable to have children? Or um, what happens if a job changes or something like that? Are you willing to enter deeply into whatever God is placing in front of you, right? Yeah. So, now, what, how does this cross take a form? Like, how does it take shape in our life? It's like a T. It, 
Yeah, well, yeah. Oh, that was terrible. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, I'm editing it out. Sometimes some of the stuff is just for oh. me, guys. So if you didn't like that, I don't care. That was for me. <laughs> this openness always towards the cross, this op- which is always a saying, I want God to be the primary form of my life. And th- that regardless of what I want to say, I'm going to say yes to you, even if it means saying no to some of my desires. That, that's the whole point of it. And because it's about recognizing God's going to take me, he's going to transform me through this. And this is the key, because this is what Balthazar says. He says, something new that Jesus brings is what we call the evangelical councils. Okay? They're councils. They are, they are educative things. They are, they're, not something, they're not something imposed upon us, but they're something that Jesus counsels us to live. And they are three, which are? Poverty, chastity, Obedience. That's right. Poverty, chastity, and obedience. And that these are the forms of love. This is what Jesus lives, right? He lives as poverty, right? He empties himself, we hear in Philippians, right? Um, He made himself obedient even unto death, death on a cross. Um, And he lived chastely. Like he lived, he lived this virginity his whole life. Mm -hmm. This is, this is the form of Christian discipleship. Now, obviously that's going to look different in marriage, Mm -hmm. right? But this actually looks very different for married people and us. Yes, Absolutely. But there's always, this is the thing, is, is this is a cross involved. If I'm not willing to say, is God first in my decision, then I'm not making the cross the center. And, I'm, and is, if he's going to ask me to give something away, like this is a very important thing in marriage, for example, right? Especially when you start having kids and, and things get crazy and, and there's sacrifices that you never even expected that are going to be asked of you. And are you willing to say yes to that? And, there can and, be a, and that's an obedience to your life, right? Right. And the difficult thing in family life is that your, your natural love for your children can be so great that it's very easy, or your natural love for your family can be so great, it's very easy for Satan to twist that a little bit, yeah. and it becomes a selfishness. Yeah, exactly. Or it becomes a method of control. Yeah. So you focus so much on, like, what is best for my family that you block out anything God is telling you. Because, like, no, God, I have to take care of my family, so I can't take this new job. No, God, I have to take care of my family, so we, we, we can't have another kid. And it becomes a, a controlling and encapsulating thing. And the same thing can happen with your priesthood as well. Absolutely. It's like, no, God, I have to podcast all the time because yeah. people cheer for me when I podcast. Like, yeah. no, 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 that's not yeah. your vocation. That's not what you're called to. Or it's like, oh, someone's calling you at 2 a.m. to go to the hospital, and I, I, need, I need my eight hours. I need my sleep. I, I need, need to take hours. care of myself. Yeah, I need care. Yeah. I can deal with them in the morning. No, that, no, no. The, that's a cross. You see, we, the problem is, and this happens with discernment too, we too often do not make the cross the center of our discernment. Instead, we want to run away from it. We're like, no, no, I want, this, I want this good stuff. I want the comfortable stuff. The Christian life is not comfortable. It can't be. It can't be, right? Right. It's, it's not meant to be. But also, you don't want to go too far with that. Right. Because well, sometimes this happens too, especially if you're like really zealous. You're like, okay, I always have to do the most difficult thing, right? So like one holy hour is good, Five holy hours is better. Super right? holy. Do you know how many chaplets there are? Five billion different kinds of chaplets, Let's right? Let's start now. Right? You literally <laughs> wouldn't have enough time. And that becomes like, okay, no, 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 no. Like the cross is going to be calling to you something specific. And that's the thing. So it's about, I think it's the other point with the cross. It's something objective. It's not subjective. Yeah. Right? It's something that calls you out of yourself, not something of, I want to conform it according to my image. Yep. So it's about saying, what a... And so it takes a discernment, it takes a piece of heart, maybe asking a priest in confession or a spiritual director saying, I think God might be asking me to sacrifice this now. But it's, oh, and this is the other thing, is the sacrifice in service to your vocation, right? For example, if you're married and you have three kids and you're like, I think God wants me to do two holy hours a day. No, probably not. Probably not because you're making a sacrifice, which is a good thing, but not in service 
to your family, which you need to be around for and to serve, right? A sacrifice is always in service of the vocation. Always, always, always. But these, po these, these things about poverty, chastity, and obedience are at the heart of every vocation. Obedient, like, so in family life, again, obedience is lived out towards your spouse and towards your kids, right? Poverty is saying, I hold nothing to myself. Not even, it's not just talking about finances. It's talking about will, which is, that's what, that's like, all, obedience, chastity, everything. These are all interconnected. It's always a living out of, and actually Balthazar says poverty is the, is the greatest form of the three. It, it's the one that's at the heart of all three of these. So you, it's about saying nothing, I, do, I, I want to grow to holding nothing for myself and giving everything away because that is what Jesus does. And I think that, that speaks to a desire in us of a radicalness. Like I want to live that radicalness. Okay, great. So you're going to live that radicalness in marriage and you're going to say, you know, if you, if you, like, like, uh, you know, you like playing poker with your buddies once a week and stuff like that, that might have to die. Mm -hmm. it, might, it might not, but it might have to for the sake of the good of your family and your vocation. Or as priests, um, I want to do all this traveling or whatever. Or I want to. I want to hang out with my friends every night or whatever. No, that has to die. Mm -hmm. It has to die, out of service to your vocation. Your vocation is always, a, if you will, a helpful way to help you discern how am I, how am I, how am I supposed to live the cross? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, this is the other thing about vocations because, so the, you know, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that those of us, those of you who are listening to today live, or those of you who are listening to the podcast. That if God has put something on your heart in a special way to say, I want to follow Jesus more deeply, there's a good chance he's asking you to follow him in priest and religious life. And I want to encourage you to have the, I want you to have the courage to take that seriously. Because Jesus is not going to destroy you with this call. Yes, we talk a lot about the cross, but the cross is always a pathway to redemption. It's always a pathway to freedom. The cross is the source of freedom. It is the school of freedom. And so it's just trusting, like, I'm willing to give everything away for him. And to realize that, again, at first it's rooted in this love, but that he's loving you too in this and saying, I want you to follow me in this way. And it's not about your own personal redemption. He's asking this of you for service to his church to bring others to salvation. Can we make a distinction, though? Yeah. Because God is calling everyone to a special holiness. Mm -hmm. How is that different than the call to religious life? Because this is where it gets right. tricky, right? Yeah. Right? Because God desires, like, it, you should always have in your hearts God pulling you more Absolutely. and more towards him, right? Right, right, right. So holiness is, the, we hear this from Vatican II, right? Uh, the universal call of holiness is something that's been developed by the church every, because that's what it means. You want to get to heaven, you got to be a saint. You want to be a saint, you got to be holy. So that's a, that's a desire for everyone. And, how, and that's part of the elective love. God loves me enough. I want to follow him. I want to be his disciple. Well, that means I want to be like him. I want, I want to be with him, which means I want to be in Christ, which he is the holy one. So to be holy is to be in Christ. Mm -hmm. that's, that's general. That is the general call to everyone through baptism. And then the particular mode to holiness is through your vocation, right. right? Through marriage, priesthood, religious life, or maybe sometimes through the cross of not fulfilling that vocation. But these are all modes to being fulfilled in holiness. And to realize that God's asking this of you, God asks this of you for your own good, but it's, but it's not like this subjective selfish thing, right? It's not about just me. We gotta get away with this like me and Jesus thing. It's no, it's, the, it's us and Jesus, right? He's calling this out of me for the good of the church. And that good of the church might just be my local family that I, that I grew up in, or it might be in a larger scale as priests and religious, like to, to having that larger shepherding role or whatever. But it's always towards someone else because that's what Jesus does. Jesus doesn't do it for his, he doesn't go to, you think he wants to go to the cross just for himself? 
No. Right. Well, this, he, this he goes to it for all of us. Right. For but, all of us. But this is a, a great temptation, especially um, a lot of times early on in formation in religious life or early on in uh, seminary or early on right after, like, your big conversion moment. It becomes... Like, holiness becomes this kind of, like, video game thing where, like, I need to get more points to level up for me. And that's never what it's about because that's not what love is. Love is about pouring out your life for others. So God is calling you to a specific mission to live a life of love for others concretely. And most of the time, loving others is a super annoying experience. Yeah. Like, it's not a comfortable Try podcasting with Father Anthony. Right? No, try being his brother. Oh. I love this. This is yeah. great. <laughs> so, yeah, so this, is, so this is the deal. Because here's the other thing. Regardless of marriage or religious life or priesthood, whatever, whatever the vocation is, the natural call or the supernatural call, both of these have a prophetic mission. It's, this is meant to be a witness. This is, why, this is why marriage is a sacrament, right? A sacrament is a visible sign of an invisible and spiritual reality. And the sacrament of marriage is, uh, is Christ's love for his church and the church's love for Christ. And so marriage is about making visible to the world that sacrificial love between Christ and his church. That's prophetic. That's Because co- prophecy is not about telling the future. It's about pointing to Jesus, right? That's what the old, whole, whole Old Testament's about. It's about pointing to Jesus. And it's the same thing with, with marriage. It's about pointing to Jesus and his church and saying that actually, no, freedom and life is found in Christ and his church. And we find this freedom and we kind of incarnate it. We make it concrete in the family. You got, that's, why the, that's why the family is called the domestic church. It is a particular form. It's a, it's a very concrete manifestation of what the church is meant to be. And religious life and priesthood, this is why celibacy is so darn important, especially for priesthood in the Roman church, I would say. Because we're also saying that what is living on in this world isn't the be-all, end-all. Christ is going to come again. And it's not about just, it's not, like, for, especially with celibacy, it's not meant to be just a personal sacrifice so that, you know, I can serve God's church. So it's, like, not a practical thing, like, well, now I can be more available for my parishioners. No, it's actually meant to be a prophetic witness that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead and that because he has risen from the dead, this earth in its current fallen form will not remain and that he will come again where we will neither be married nor given in marriage. Okay, can, can, yeah. I, can I concretize this a little bit yep. for a second? Um, we need to get rid of the idea that being married means you can have as much sex as you want. Yep. Because it is a weird thing that a lot of times like it, it sneaks up in our hearts. Our hearts are very sneaky, right? We get these weird like little desires that pop out. It's like, okay, what, I, I, I'll be a good celibate girl. I'll be a good celibate boy until I get married. And then, yes, right? But like, if you meet any holy family, this is a very deep and difficult struggle. Yeah. Because there has to be, like for us, <laughs> for us. Yeah, 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 yeah I'm putting it in. Yeah, no. <clears throat> so for, for the celibate, the rules are very simple, right? Don't do it, right? (laughs) (laughs) Now, living a life in love, that's a little bit more complicated. Like having good relationships, having different kinds of intimacy is important. But for the married life, it's very difficult. And I think sometimes, like, married people kind of get tripped up by the NFP stuff because it's a difficult thing. Yeah. So while married life and uh, uh, celibate life, it's very different. The witness of a good celibate person is that in these moments, in these struggles, God is still actually enough for you. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Because you can't, while you and your spouse support each other and bring each other to heaven, you cannot make them your God. 
You okay. cannot make them the only source of your consolation. So just as it's very important for a priest every day to be in front of a tabernacle, it's also important to families to be, to be in front of the tabernacle and learn the different kind of ways you can be intimate. Because it's going to be a struggle no matter what. Yeah, and I would say, like, just to add to that a little bit, like, I, you know, as you get more and more into priesthood, you, you hear more about the struggles of family, especially after having kids. Yeah. Kids change everything. Okay? And I would encourage you, if you're entering marriage or you're pretty certain that marriage is your vocation, talk to married couples who have been married for 10 years. Ask them what it's like. And they'll, because I think it's important. I think we, we don't, we, we just, we look at marriage like we think about what the first year or two is going to be like. That's what it's always going to be like. No, it drastically changes. There's really a cross in it. It is hard. It is really, really hard. And, but that, but there's a lot of beauty. And, and, and that the sacrifice that you make when you, aren't going to be intimate sometimes yeah. for whatever reason because the kids, you have three kids in the bed with you because they're all sick or whatever, right? right? You have to die to yourself and you have to find deeper means of intimacy with your spouse. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the cross because that's the thing. It's actually going to lead you to something more deeper and more fruitful than you could ever think is po- that you could ever even know was possible. And also, it's important to realize that neither ordination nor marriage will, um, will destroy your lust. Yeah. And so that's another thing that we sometimes trip up on. Like, okay, I can't handle this. I can't deal with this sin. If I get married, it'll be okay. No, it won't. No, it won't. Yeah. Right? That's a struggle that continues, right? Yeah. And also, we'll just, I don't do a whole sidebar on this, but just a little sidebar on this. This is one of the greatest struggles that we don't talk about. And we need to remember that God wants to heal you and there's great hope. I also want to say that your struggle with lust is not who you are. It's not your entire life and it should not dictate your prayer life. Yeah. Because so often it's very much either I'm, I'm pure and that means I can pray or I'm not pure and that means I can't pray. Yeah. And this is something that can really screw up your discernment yeah. because you're refusing to enter into the love and mercy of God who, guess what? He knows it's going on, right? What? He knows it's difficult. <laughs> he knows you're struggling, right? Okay? And your God still loves you. But so often we get into uh, Satan's arena where he dictates our prayer life. Either I'm pure or I'm impure. Either I'm doing well, I'm not doing well, right? And that's not the realm Christ wants us into. And one of the reasons why he will allow you to struggle with this is because he will let this continue to go. One of the reasons, this is a complicated thing, but one of the reasons, like, he wants you to know how deeply he actually loves you. Because the deep thing is, like, God actually loves sinners. He doesn't love the good sinners who, I just tell my lies. No, 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 he loves sinners and sin is always ugly it's always stupid it's always embarrassing it's always ultimately boring as well right so that's something that needs to be talked about because it can really throw off our discernment if we allow ourselves to be in satan's arena whether i'm pure or impure i'm doing this or i'm not doing this yeah okay yeah and and just to add to that that's one thing we like to talk about a lot is this idea that we're participating in christ right so the struggle it's it's christ crucifying you he's crucifying your desire to redeem it, to make it good, like because the other thing, like we, the other thing with that is like we, we have our desires and we think, oh these desi- all these desires are bad. No, no, they're just twisted. Yeah. Desire is good, right? Eros, as we hear in Pope Benedict's encyclical, is a good thing. It, desirous love is a good thing. It just needs to be redeemed by agape, by the cross, by that sacrificial love. So I think that's always about remember when you're going through your struggles, you are in the battle zone. Christ is putting you through sin, suffering, and even a death. To, that's the cross. And it might be the cross. He might be calling you to die to you keeping it all together. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He, might be, he might be calling you to die to trying to save yourself. Yeah. 
It's like I can just work on this by myself in quiet, and then I'll get better, right? And yeah. very often, so it's not you like you go around telling people I'm really struggling with lust all the time, guys. That's not healthy, right? Yeah. Um, Don't go on Twitter because. But like this that. is a big thing. <laughs> this is a big thing. Not everyone is privy to the deepest parts of your spiritual life. Yeah. Ooh, say that not again. everyone is owed the deepest parts of your spiritual life. Yeah. Right? They're just not. Okay. So that's why there's different circles of friendship and trust. Yeah. Especially, it's good to have a spiritual father and a spiritual mother. You can bring these yeah. things to, but you do need to bring them out, right? And and to realize, like, it's only, we, we, the reason why conversion takes so long is that we refuse to allow ourselves to be broken, right? We refuse to allow ourselves to be poor and to be empty. Because we're like, no, Lord, I can still earn your love because at least I still do this. And, yeah. God will, and God will allow that sin to remain in your life so that you can be broken and open totally to him. Yeah. So one last point about the sermon. And I, this is something I've, I've really kind of come to the last six months I, I tweeted about it a long time ago. Like, if, you're, if your heart is breaking, when you, like, that the, the homebound have no one to bring communion to them or to anoint them, that the imprisoned have no one to visit them, that the poor have no one to feed them, that this, there's not enough priests to bring the sacraments, there's not enough religious to educate and, and, to bring, and to do their ministries and their charisms. If you're a young dude and you see a priest doing something not well in the parish, you're like, I could do better. This is a good chance. There might be a little bit of pride, but that might actually also be a sign because maybe you can, Yes. right? Yeah, and exactly. maybe we could use your help too. Yeah, because right. so, I think this is the point I want to make with this is that we have to, so there's that and then also people's voices. The church mediates discernment as well. Right, the church. Little makes, old ladies mediate discernment. Yes, we make, the church makes visible and makes knowable because we know things through our senses, right? We have to hear, see, taste, touch, and smell to know something. If someone's saying that to you, or there's a desire in your heart that says, we need more of that, it's actually probably God's way of saying, yeah, and I want you. Oh. And I want you. Oof. And I want you to pray with that, because I think it's important. <laughs> Thanks, Nick. I'm not saying it's universal. I'm not saying it's universal. Because or, or, like, here's the other thing, because you might hear from people say, you what? You're going to make a great father one day. You're going you're gonna to make a great father. You're going to have lots of kids. You're going to make a great father. And that's good, too. That is also the church mediating discernment for you. We always need that, that, that people to kind of bounce off of. Okay. So finally, no matter where you are in this whole discernment thing, know this absolute truth. God knows where you are. He sees you, and he loves you, and he's proud of you. Yeah. Amen. Okay. So thanks for listening. Please leave a review on iTunes and tell your friends about the podcast. Tell your enemies too, because Jesus says we must love, love our enemies. enemies. You can find me at Father Sharapa on Twitter. You can find me at Fr Harrison. Can, you, can you, they find me? Yeah, yeah. Nick, where do they can find ah, you? They can find me at Papa Sharapa on Twitter. <laughs> Contact the podcast and receive updates at Clerical Bond Twitter or email us at clericalspeaking at gmail.com. Check out our Patreon. If it wasn't for our Patreon, we could not be here. Um, clerically speaking at Patreon. Peace. God bless. Hey. And, and we'll be around afterwards to talk. Yeah.